The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With multi-gig speeds now available, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. Limited availability in select areas. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. You're listening to the Raiders NFL Draft Podcast. Here are your hosts, Bucky Brooks and Rhett Lewis. AP, but I do feel like I've got to start every episode that we do just like that. That's the that's the vibe. That's the energy. That's what we love about what's going on with the Las Vegas Raiders right now with uh, new head coach Antonio Pierce, new GM Tom Telesco. And we are fired up to talk about those two guys being in lockstep and generating a draft class that's going to help this team get back to the postseason. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode one of the 2024 season of the Raiders NFL Draft Podcast. I am Rhett Lewis uh, here with the true NFL renaissance man from player to scout to multimedia superstar Bucky Brooks. What's up, Buck, man? Let's do this thing. No, I mean, look, it's a lot of fun. And I can't tell you how exciting it is to be back talking about Raiders football. There's been so much that has gone on. AP getting the job, Tom Telesco yeah. coming over as the look, top personnel man. And so it's an exciting time. We saw how the team finished. Now it's about putting pieces, uh, adding pieces to what appears to be a very solid foundation. Let's see if this tender can kind of rise up to contender status. Yeah, for sure. And look, we're going to get into the fact that we are smack dab in the middle of all-star game season. You and I both uh, on the call for the East West Shrine Bowl on NFL Network. Uh, If you don't see it live on uh, Thursday night, uh, last night of January, then uh, you're going to have an opportunity to see it or rather first night of February. um, You're going to have a chance to see it uh, on down the road. And there's going to be some Raiders here. Uh, There were some Raiders from last year's game, which we'll get into. Talk about some players that we love uh, from the Shrine Bowl, from the Senior Bowl as well going on in Mobile, Alabama. Um, But of course, let's start here by kind of giving the macro view of what the Raiders are going to be looking at. Uh, Obviously picking outside the top 10 this year, just outside at number Number 13, one of nine picks, but only three in the top 100. The remainder of the six uh, come, uh, you know, beyond rounds three, right? So getting into day, day uh, right, getting, getting into day three, we have three picks in the seventh round. So it's still an opportunity, you know, to fill out this roster and find some impact players. Um, but you really got to hit on those high value picks when you don't have a ton of them, right? So picking at number 13, um, you know, we'll get into that. Let's kind of lay out where you could see potential for Tom Telesco and Antonio Pierce and this personnel evaluation team now to kind of look, you know, it's never about filling needs, it's about finding really good players, but, you know, it's great when the need matches, you know, a, a really good player and high on your board. So how do you see the potential areas that we could address here? You know, like Red, as we look at it and as every team looks at 
the offseason plans, they got to figure out, OK, where are we strong at? Where are we weak at? What is available in free agency and what will be available in the draft? Uh, we'll just talk about the draft itself. Yeah. When we look at the draft class, look, man, this draft is strong at the offensive line. I mean, we could talk about seven or eight offensive linemen that yeah. are first class worthy, um, really solid at defensive back. Uh, you have some playmakers, obviously, a wide receiver. There will be uh, available. There are a ton of quarterbacks, particularly early, that are, have a lot of interest. And then what you have is, you know, a, a dramatic fall off after you get to round three in terms of the talent. So the top 100, top 125 players would be solid. But due to COVID and early entries and all of this stuff, this class is a little weaker than most when it comes to the overall depth. So if you're the Raiders, you kind of got to do your work a little early and then find the right guys to target when it comes to those developmental prospects later in the draft. Again, yeah, great points there. And and look, and obviously, you know, the draft hall in totality, like all the picks and where they're at, that, that stuff could change right mm-hmm. from now until we get to the draft with trades and with, you know, with comp picks getting sorted out and all that. So we'll uh, we'll kind of keep everybody up to date on where that stands. But as of right now, Raiders will go off the clock, go on the clock uh, at the 13th overall pick on April 25th this year in Detroit, Michigan, home to the NFL draft, which would be kind of fun considering the success that the Lions had. Um, man, you think back on their blueprint, you know, they mm-hmm. went they went grit, they went toughness, they went physicality with their two first round picks last year really paid off. Be curious to see if that's a model more teams look to, but obviously you got to fit with you, what your strengths are, what your team philosophy is. And, you know, that's something that obviously Antonio Pierce and Tom Telesco are going to have to figure out. But if we do look back in Tom Telesco's history, man, re- hit on some really good picks, um, especially early on in the draft, obviously getting Justin Herbert, one of the best quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the league, you know, was big as a top 10 pick. Uh, then hit on some real good offensive linemen, Zion Johnson, most recently yes. Rashawn Slater the year before that, uh, who two mainstays on the Chargers offensive line. Ichenna Nuosu was a really good day two pick, yeah. you know, for them. Ended up going up to Seattle in free agency. Uh, Tuli Tui Pelotu. So like they've had a Telesco's had a knack for finding really good players early on in the draft. Um, you know, you mentioned you know strength of the class. You know, being offensive linemen. Look. Love what Colton Miller has been doing on the left side. Yeah. Maybe there's an opportunity on the right side to to maybe get a little bit stronger, create some more depth there. You know, I think a guy like J.C. Latham maybe is one of the best right mm-hmm. tackles in this draft from Alabama. Might be something to look at there. Um, how do you see the potential options with that first pick? Yeah, well, first thing I think everyone should understand Tom Telesco's history. He sat at the knee of Bill Polian for a long time. Bill Polian, Hall of Fame executive. I think a six-time executive of the year in the National Football League. And anyone who has ever been around uh, Polian understands that. Look, they believe in taking best player available. They believe that the player has to have requisite traits. Uh, they're not necessarily a gamble person, meaning uh, they have great traits, but they don't have great production. They want really good football players. So the guys that you're going to see are going to be decorated college football players who check off the boxes when it comes to the prototype. Tom Telesco followed that formula, and it was very successful for him with the Chargers. The Chargers were one of the most talented teams. Everyone would say that when it comes to looking at their roster. With the Raiders, you want to attack it in a similar fashion. We talk about the offensive line being one where you only have a couple guys on the contract beyond 2024. You have Colton Miller and then Dallin Parham. So you have to early uh, attack that position. And there, there, there's so many tackles and so many guards and stuff that you want to kind of look at it. Steve, how do you want to build this team? The thing that we now know is 
AP has talked about being a physical at the line of scrimmage team. They want to run the football. So whether Josh Jacobs is back or not, the Raiders want to run the football because of running point. the football, it allows them to control the game. So the prospects that we're going to eventually talk about and look at are going to be guys that are very, really adept at moving people off the ball. I think you can anticipate having a bigger offensive line to have that physicality and toughness. And then you still have to be able to pass protect. But you talked about Detroit Lions and the grittiness and the toughness and those things. The common denominator potentially between the Detroit Lions and the Raiders, the Lions' rise to prominence was fueled by their offensive line. The Raiders could take the same blueprint and bring them right back in the AFC West and in the AFC. Uh, I think it's it's a great point. And, um, you know, I, I think there's still there's a lot to build on from last year's class in that regard. Like, I think Michael Mayer uh, is going to be a player that could be really, really good in this league. We saw flashes of him in his rookie year at the tight end spot, you know, kind of like the Lions went and got uh, Sam Laporta in the second round. Uh, so I think there's still a lot of room for growth there. And some good tight ends in this class, too, uh, that might provide a nice compliment there, um, you know, as well that we might get to. So. You know, I, I think at 13, you know, just like we had the conversation at seven last year and the Raiders end up going with Tyree Wilson, who, I, again, I think has monster potential in this league that's still pretty much untapped from what we saw, um, you know, in his rookie year. I think we'll have that quarterback conversation again, despite the fact that Aiden O'Connell started a bunch of games and played really well at times. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you're always looking mm-hmm. like, all right let's look at that tape and let's now close our eyes as we talk about on the move, the six pod every now and then, you know, do we envision the confetti coming down on the head of Aiden O'Connell as a quarterback who just won us a Super Bowl? Maybe we do, but I think you're always looking right. And Tom's going to, you know, everybody's going to evaluate these quarterbacks no matter what. Now I obviously the first, the top three quarterbacks likely go and picks one, mm-hmm. two, and three. Right. Caleb Williams, Drake, May, Jaden Daniels, all three quarterback needy teams up there. I I think those guys are off the board very quickly, if not uh, one, two, three. But the next three might Mm. come a little bit later and there might actually be a run on quarterbacks. And it could be end up being a sweet spot in that 12 to 16 range. Obviously, where the Raiders are sitting now at 13 Mm -hmm. and we're talking about guys like Bo Nix, Michael Mm -hmm. Penix, Jr. from Washington and J.J. McCarthy, who was the quarterback who ended up winning the national title uh, in a game yeah. against Michael Penix's Washington Huskies. McCarthy, of course, the Michigan Wolverine quarterback who declared uh, as an underclassman. So is that a spot where you could see the Raiders entertaining a potential franchise quarterback when you look at those three prospects as of right now? Well, I think so. And I, I think the three guys that you mentioned, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, J.J. McCarthy in whatever order, those guys are going to be in conversation. Um, one thing that we're learning when it comes to the young quarterbacks, and we've talked about this a lot on various platforms, experience matters at the collegiate game. Guys that play a lot have a ton of snaps, a ton of pass attempts, uh, a ton of situations that they've experienced. They've been having a lot of success in the National Football League as young players. That leads me to Bo Nix and Michael Penix. When you look at their nature experience. <laughs> yeah, when you look at their, their journeys, I mean, first we talk about Bo Nix playing at Auburn, then making his way to Oregon. Look, I think he had the most starts ever of any collegiate quarterback in history when it comes to, I think he has over 60 starts or whatever under his belt. This is a very experienced player, a mature player, a guy who I would say improved significantly during his time at Oregon. When you look at the player that he was at Auburn to the player that he finished up, at uh, Oregon, I think there's a lot to like. Uh, athletic, has big-time arm talent, is tough as nails. And the maturity 
I think is what really stands out. When people talk to him, this is a guy who, like, he's already kind of been through the wars. He's been scuffed up a little bit, and he's seen it and come out on the other side. There's a lot to like about Bo Nix. And Michael Penix, you can say the same thing. I mean, he made the odyssey from Indiana to Washington, had a ton of injuries that he had to deal yeah. with, talked about just the headache and heartbreak that came along with, what, four season-ending injuries exactly. that he dealt with at Indiana, goes to Washington, and I would say, in a way, reinvented himself as a playmaker. Terrific as a passer. I don't know if you'll find a guy that slings it better than this kid oh, when it comes to just dealing dealing from the pocket. He attacks vertically. He attacks down the field. He's pinpoint, precise. He has, and in there are times, I mean, even in the college football playoff game, when you watched him against Texas, he absolutely carved him up. If your first exposure to Penix was a championship game, wasn't his best game. But I would say that's probably the outlier of all of the games of his career. He was a fantastic player throughout his time, particularly at Washington. He deals it from the pocket. Not necessarily a runner, but he showed in the playoffs that he still can move a little bit. But this is a guy that everyone has always celebrated in terms of if you want someone to deal from the pocket, to deal on time and rhythm, you're not going to find many players that are better than Penix. And then McCarthy, I think what we just put on him is the winner tag. He's a winner. He won a ton in Michigan. He would go down as one of the best quarterbacks in Michigan history, not because of the numbers that he put up, but the way that he led this team. And I think there's a selflessness that you will appreciate. Hey, whatever it takes to get the job done, McCarthy was able to do that. Uh, being coached under Jim Harbaugh, he certainly understands the pro-style field and the leadership part of the equation. Um, doesn't have a lot of what I would say tape where you can kind of dig in and say, hey, where is he compared to those other guys? I think if you fall in love with J.J. McCarthy, you fall in love with the person, then you try and look at the potential of the player. But there's a lot to like about the person and the leader that he was at Michigan. Yeah, and, and again, like that's going to be the evaluation. You know, one of the evaluation points there for McCarthy is, okay, we didn't necessarily see a ton of him you know, making big mm -hmm. plays through the past game wasn't necessarily asked of him as much as the other guys. Not saying he didn't make those plays. He just didn't make as many of them. The volume is less than just because of the, the nature of the offense he was in with Jim Harbaugh, who, of course, is now division rival uh, here in the AFC West uh, of the Raiders coaching the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, so I think those are all really good thoughts on those quarterbacks who do feel like the guys that are going to be available if the Raiders decide that franchise quarterback is the way to go, you know, at number 13. Um, and, and by the way, like you don't have to force a quarterback into the lineup. Now we see that happen a lot now, but you know, look at the Jordan Love example. If, if JJ McCarthy is the guy that you really like, we know for a fact that Aiden O'Connell can start and win games in this league. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you feel like you need to stash a quarterback for a little while to give him that experience that maybe he didn't have as much of uh, on uh, at the collegiate level, there's a pathway. There's a model mm -hmm. for doing that. And Jordan Love is reaping all the benefits of it right now with the Green Bay Packers, which, again, is something to, to, to kind of consider there. So a lot of options for the Raiders. This is so early in the process. Mm -hmm. We're still trying to get a, a real firm grasp on how teams view these players, how the league collectively views these players. And a lot's going to change. Um, but the one thing, you know, that, that remains the same is what they put out there on tape. And that's ultimately what's going to decide, you know, who ends up uh, a Las Vegas Raider at number 13. So we're, we'll quick, continue we're quick, Brett, because we, we went, 
we let's just give him some names at offense tackle. I feel like I didn't give yeah, you. Yeah, please. I didn't follow up because you brought up J.C. Latham, uh, who yeah. is a terrific player from Alabama. But some other names that we just want to keep in mind, Joe Alt from Notre Dame. Uh, I'm going to let you talk about the Penn State. Uh, Olu Fashanu. Olu Fushanu from Penn State. He is certainly uh, interesting. Talisi Fuaga from Oregon State is another one that will be in the conversation. You already mentioned J.C. Latham. Amarius Mims from Georgia is an old school, just a a big body monster at the point of attack. And so when we think about these guys, the common denominator between a a lot of these guys at the top of the board, supersize blockers at the point of attack, a lot of road graders, meaning they're physical, they excel in the running game, they have that. Some of those guys have dancing bear traits and qualities. I think this year, unlike previous years, though, the physicality shows up on tape. You talk about the top guys in the draft really excel in the run game, and it shows up each and, time, each and every time you pop in the tape. Well, you're, you're a gosh darn broadcast professional, Bucky Brooks, because talking about Talisi <laughs> Fuaga is uh, a good way to get us into another one of our topics here today on episode one, since we're right in the thick of all-star game season. The Senior Bowl going on down in Mobile, Alabama, 75th anniversary uh, of the Senior Bowl. A great opportunity for players to stake their claim to stand out amongst their peers and prospects uh, with the eyes of the NFL watching, which, which is awesome. And, you know, you want to talk about some buzzy players down in Mobile. Talisi Fuaga has been mm-hmm. dominant. I mean, I can't tell you the number of clips that I've seen on social media of Talisi Fuaga just, you know, face planning guys in the dirt in one-on-one drills. I mean, he is going to win. Like, you know, we talk a lot about when we're going to talk a lot about Joe Alt and Olu Fashanu as, you know, top tackles in this. Talisi Fuaga has entered the chat uh, in that top, like in him, Mm -hmm. he might end up supplanting one of those two guys, if not both based off, Mm -hmm. you know, what we're seeing down in mobile. If he does the same thing and inner, you know, because the tape's good too. So you go see, Mm -hmm. you know, the interviews match up um, and you know, it's been really fun to watch and and to see guys like, you know, the eyes of the draft world kind of opening to what this guy has really done and what he's all about. Cause I, I mean, I got a feeling that, uh, you know, he's going, he might not even be an option for the Raiders at 13, the way he's playing. Yeah. Look, he's, he's playing terrific. And the, the thing about it, when you watch Oregon state, and I think everyone, particularly if you haven't paid attention to PAC 12 football, the Oregon state Beavers were one of the more physical teams that you would find in college football. Uh, Jonathan Smith, their previous coach, who's now at Michigan State, did a really good job of remaking the team and the image of a tough, physical, smash-mouth football team. A lot of run-heavy sets, really ran it at people. And LaFuaga was a big part of that. His ability to move people, his ability to control the line of scrimmage, move people off the ball, and then finish them with violence, that's exactly what you look for. So the reports that are coming out about the senior bowl are not surprising to anybody who watched him play. This is what he does. And that conversation heating up about who are the top offensive tackles. You're right. He certainly has entered the chat. Yeah. Yeah. I I really do think that. And I'll I'll be curious to see what, you know, post all-star game season mock drafts end up doing Mm -hmm. with Buaga. Cause I think he's going to, he's going to skyrocket up there. We'll see if the league, the league's thoughts, you know, end up matching up with what we've seen over the course of the last few practices down in mobile. Uh, Another couple of guys, you know, that have really jumped out and early on, you know, in an all-star game setting, I think those one-on-one 
matchups where mm-hmm. it's just about skill and not about scheme mm-hmm. end up really coming to the forefront. And so you're talking a lot about wide receivers in DBs and especially yeah. earlier in the week, wide receivers always seem to have the edge. It is mm-hmm. more of an offensive focused drill. And so I am not shocked to see two very experienced wide receivers two technicians in their route craft really stand out amongst the rest. And, th- and that is, and, and we'll go in order here, but Lad McConkey, uh, oh, who yeah. was a national champion at Georgia for two years uh, before, oh, yeah. you know, this year, not getting into the CFP. And then Roman Wilson from Michigan, mm-hmm. who was a national champion this year. Um, and I think both those guys, again, you know, really showcasing their craft uh, down at the senior bowl this week, winning a bunch of those reps. Yeah, Lad McConkey is a guy who has absolutely t- terrorized opponents in the SEC. <laughs> um, every time you look up, man, 84 is just getting open. I mean, wide open, consistently creates separation, very patient uh, with his route running, uh, has a great, I-, I call it impeccable timing in terms of being in sync with the quarterback. He understands when he needs to get open, so he takes the time, particularly when they give him a little freedom uh, to work in and out. He is terrific, great pass catcher, great playmaker. Uh, he has the tools. And, you know, it's an, I won't say it's unfortunate. We're at a time where there are wide receivers galore in the draft. First round, second round, third round. You can find guys who can do it. I mean, look, Puka Nakua, fourth round pick. Great point. Fourth round, fourth, fifth. Fourth round pick, fifth yeah. round pick. Um, came out and did it. I mean, we talk about Monroe St. Brown. It was a, a fourth round pick who's been a dominant player. You can find him, and so you have to know what you're looking for. Uh, McConkey fits the bill, but so does Roman Wilson. Roman Wilson is one of the best playmakers that you're going to find yes. college football, man. He just wore people out, uh, twisted defenders in knots with his uh, spectacular route running skills. And then I just love how clutch he is when they needed a first down, when they needed a big play, Roman Wilson was the one that they dialed up. And those two guys, not surprised. We're at a time where uh, the craftsmen, the skilled route runners, the skilled playmakers yeah. are the ones that are dominating the national football league. So I'm not as surprised to hear those two guys having a lot of success early down in mobile. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, I saw Roman Wilson in person a couple of times uh, in, in the work that I do for my own moderate Indiana. And, you know, this is a guy who, despite the heavy run oriented offense at Michigan, he was leading college football and touchdown receptions first half of the season. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, may not get the volume of opportunities. Again, talked about the same thing with J.J. McCarthy as quarterback. But boy, when you called his number. He made the most of it. And that's what you're talking about, too, with that clutch gene, because we I saw it standing on the sideline at the end of the Rose Bowl um, in the fourth quarter. You know, Michigan had to have a touchdown. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they go to they go to Roman Wilson, who makes a phenomenal uh, focus type of catch off a deflection at the line that ends up getting them a first down. And then he's the one that ends up scoring the touchdown that sends the thing into overtime, uh, which I thought was, again, showcasing the clutchness. And I think he's got a just phenomenal, like a real natural ability to get in and out of breaks and to create separation like that stuff. That you know what Amara St. Brown might be a good comp for Roman Wilson. The more I start thinking mm-hmm. about this, because he's got a, a compact kind of physical build, like yeah. Amara, and like that ability to generate, you know, separation, you know, in the blink of an eye like that at the top of a route is pretty unique, and it's very smooth. They kind of they kind of run the same way too. Yeah, they do run the same way. And wh- what we're looking for now um, 
we're looking for guys who have the strength and power to break yeah. tackles on the perimeter. Uh, we can talk about Amara St. Brown. We can talk about Debo Samuel. The list goes sure. on and on. Yeah. Now the playmakers on the perimeter, you, you got to have some running back to you in terms of being able to break tackles and make uh, five-yard gains turn into first downs. Uh, Roman Wilson does that. Lat McConkey does that. Uh, there are a ton of guys in this draft that have that ability, and more teams are going to covet those guys over just the, the one-dimensional uh, speed merchants who don't have the ability to really make it happen with the ball in their hands. Yeah, uh, and so looking forward to seeing uh, what our guys, Andrew Siciliano, Daniel Jeremiah, and Charles Davis all do uh, on the call of the Senior Bowl, uh, which I'm looking forward to watching uh, here coming up in a couple of days uh, as well. So let's move to the game that we are focused on uh, during All-Star Game season. That is the 99th Annual East-West Shrine Bowl, which is held uh, not in Las Vegas, home of the Raiders this year, but mm -hmm. in, in fact in Frisco, Texas, home uh, of the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, so I, I am uh, I'm wearing my Raiders gear here. <laughs> you got to be careful. He's watching. You got to yeah. be careful. You got to um, be careful. But, uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I wanted to start here because, uh, and obviously with the with the Senior Bowl, we'll talk a bunch about the quarterbacks, and especially after we get through with that, you know, Bo Nix, uh, Michael Penix there, Carter Bradley, an interesting name with some Raiders ties. There's that, mm -hmm. Gus Bradley. Uh, of course, we'll talk about those guys. I think, you know, you mentioned it at the top uh, of our episode here in the experience of quarterbacks. And all six of the quarterbacks who are going to play in the 99th Shrine Bowl have played in more than 40 games, which is what we talked about with Aiden mm -hmm. O'Connell. Right, who obviously impressed the Raiders in this setting uh, here a year ago at the Shrine Bowl. Uh, and, of course, on tape from his time, his extensive uh, playing career at Purdue. So I, I think any one of these guys that are playing quarterback here, Bucky, could fit the bill as those Brock Purdy, Aiden O'Connell, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, uh, Tommy DeVito, Tommy Cutlets mm -hmm. over New York, all of whom saw significant action as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, you just talk about trying to follow, like uh, Mike Lockley said this, success leaves clues. So when you look at the successful yes. young quarterbacks, like what are the common denominators? What are the traits that are uh, transferable that we can see? Well, Tommy DeVito and uh, Brock Purdy and Duran Thompson, Robinson, and all those guys, they played significant time. They had a, a, an extensive collegiate career that allowed them to see and experience a bunch of different things. The East West Shrine Bowl uh, has more quarterbacks that would do that. And the quarterbacks that are playing in this game will be available kind of in that that range, those day three prospects, yeah. those developmental guys, exactly. the guys that you take and you pour into and you hope in time, they outplay their draft status. So this is a great game to watch. It's been great watching some of these guys because, look, it's a very talented collection of quarterbacks that are here is trying to figure out which one is going to pop, which is why we're really excited for the game. Yeah, exactly right. And, uh, you know, looking at some of the playmakers that we've seen in this game thus far, uh, by the way, you mentioned Mike Loxley, his quarterback, Talia mm -hmm. Tungabailoa, obviously here. It's why he was on the sideline watching practice this week. And Talia uh, has done a really good job. But some of the playmakers, you know, that we've been talking about a lot this week, Isaiah Williams, wide receiver mm -hmm. from Illinois, uh, a slot machine type of player. Um, Malik Washington, another yeah. one of those kind of, Give him an option route. Give him a Hunter Renfro opportunity, right? Yeah. And he's going to make himself available for the quarterback, right? He's got a terrific knack for that. Showed that in his final year at UVA, which was his final year in college after four uh, at Northwestern. You know, I think of a guy like Drake Stoops, too, uh, who's kind of drawn some of How those – 
Edelman, Amendola, Welker, Renfro type, um, type, you know, comparisons. Obviously, the name should sound familiar. He is, in fact, Bob Stoops' son. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, you know, another one that that continues to show up. And I mentioned, you know, at the top of the show, what what Mike Mayer did, you know, this year for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. You find another compliment, another tight end piece uh, to go along with what he's done. Dallin Holker. Mm-hmm. might fit that bill as a guy who's a little bit different. He's not necessarily your traditional why, but a guy you can move around a little bit and really yeah. get some matchup issues in the pass game. He absolutely can. And coming out of Colorado state, uh, he, he was a guy that was very productive his final season, had over 700 yards, but consistently found a way to put the ball in the paint. He is a tradition. He, he's an H back. He meaning yeah. he's a move tight end. You want to move him around the formation, put him in space, put him in a slot, let him work one-on-one on those linebackers. If he improves his blocking, he's going to be a, he's gonna be a guy we talk about. Um, I think there is a chance for him to get into the first two days of the draft, be one of top 100 pick because he is talented, maybe yes. as talented as they come at the position. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, we talked about tackle, maybe being offensive line, especially on the right side, being something that the Raiders look at. And, and I look at a couple of guys here and, you know, jump in on, on any of these guys here, Bucky. But we've talked about Julian Pearls actually, you know, yeah. going to be on the right side at a right tackle out of Illinois. Um, a center like Hunter Norzad from Penn State's played a lot of football five years in Happy Valley. Uh, look at a guy uh, from Boston College um, in Christian Mahogany, uh, who's done some really good things. Mason McCormick from South Dakota State, one of five uh, mm-hmm. Jackrabbits who are in this game from the back-to-back FCS National Champions. All of those guys feel like players that could kind of step in and, and make an immediate impact based on their experience in production at the college level. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about Julian Pearl, 39 starts. This is the guy that has played multiple spots, right guard, right tackle, yeah. left tackle. That uh, the versatility is everything because there are a lot of offensive line coaches that like to put the best five on the field and they will change the format. They will change the positions to accommodate that just to make sure that they can get those guys on the field. Um, Walter Rouse, not a right tackle, but a left side guy. Yeah, he feels like I that. Think, yep. Look, man, I think he's about as pure as they come as a left tackle. You think about all the experience that he had at Stanford, then going to Oklahoma and doing those things. He stood out. Um, just some good plays. And I want to follow up on, you talk about Mason McCormick. Yeah. Uh, small smooth stand out, but when we talk to coaches, whatever, talk about him being maybe the best one here. Just yeah. gets it at a major level. And we've seen time and time again, some of the smaller school standouts, particularly on the offensive line, have been able to come and thrive. Makes me think of a Cole Strange a little bit. You know, like great, guys that have been able point. to just yeah. kind of come in and play. He could be another one of those guys that kind of surprises. Uh, doesn't get a lot of oohs and eyes on draft day, but then when you look in the season, he ends up having a lot of success playing. Yeah, you know, Zach Tom was one of those guys for the Green Bay Packers, you know, this year who yes. came right in from this game as a rookie and played a ton of ball uh, up there for, for Matt LaFleur. So, yeah, there's there's guys in this game who have that ability for sure. On the defensive side, it really does feel like there is a high concentration of talent mm-hmm. in the back end. And that's from the cornerback spot, whether that's on the on the outside or in the nickel. Uh, and then at the safety position, guys who could maybe come down and be, you know, a hybrid linebacker for you. Uh, we've seen that a little bit with the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, you know, Divine Diablo was one of those guys who yes. is a little bit of a tweener uh, and, and has kind of, you know, really found a home at linebacker. But um, I think of guys that that stand out to me like uh, Chigoze uh, Anusium from Colorado mm-hmm. State, uh, Trey Taylor from Air Force. Yeah. Now, you want to talk about a player 
who Raider Nation is going to resonate with as a leader, as a physical presence. Um, and, uh, you know, the defensive coordinator, his defensive coordinator, you know, kind of, you know, called him, um, you know, one of those players who maybe fits more as a box safety, but you're yep. going to feel his presence and can attach to tight ends and coverage and give you that if you really need it. Yeah, look, when we think about Trey Taylor, Jim Thorpe Award winner, had three interceptions on the year, but you talk about a guy that really can play in the box. Does a really good job, smart, tough, natural leader, great communicator. Uh, they just rave about him uh, since yeah. he's been at this game. And you, you already know, man, when you play at a service academy, you have all the intangibles that you're looking for. He has that. I mean, he, he checks it off in space. And I could see uh, Patrick Graham having a lot of fun utilizing yes. his skill set and incorporating him into the mix when you need more communicators, more leadership on that, that backside. Yeah, I'm with you uh, on all that. So yeah, th there's some really good players in here, really across the board, and uh, obviously got a good one from uh, from the Shrine Bowl last year that's in Las Vegas and Aiden O'Connell. Looking forward to seeing what he's got uh, for the Raiders going into year two, where, where obviously we see you know a big-time jump, especially for guys who didn't have the opportunity to play an entire season the way that uh, was the case for Aiden. So, uh, look, this is just the beginning of our journey once again uh, here as part of the uh, Raiders Podcast Network again this year. And and uh, we're super excited about it. We're going to be with you each and every week up to and through the draft in Detroit. And so looking forward to kind of hitting all those major milestones, Buck, right? All-star game season, combine, pro yeah. days. You know, we start getting in. We start hearing buzz about the interviews. And look, man, we just get to sort it all out with everybody and, and kind of make some sense of it, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, I think there's a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz building around yeah. silver and black. And it should be fun to talk about it, talk about this team kind of finding itself as it goes forward under AP and Tom Telesco. Rock and roll. So for Bucky, Bo Bucky Brooks, I am Rhett Lewis, Raider Nation. We appreciate you and we'll be back with you next week. Thank you for listening to the Raiders NFL Draft Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the Raiders Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts.